This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin, SC Athletics' Jesse Temple. We are down in Tampa. Just through the first half day we've been here, Jesse. We got to see practice this morning, got to talk with offensive coordinator Phil Longo and talk with Defense quarter to Mike Tressel. The Badgers also added from the transfer portal while we were down here, Sebastian Cheeks, a linebacker from North Carolina that we'll get into here as well. But I feel like we have to start, uh, Jesse, with you missing your flight in Chicago yesterday. <laughs> of course. It, it wouldn't be a bowl game trip if I didn't uh, do something stupid or have something stupid happen to me. I know no one listening cares, but uh, no, they do. I missed, my, I missed my connecting flight because I stopped to have something to eat and for some reason, thought that I was uh, the the time listed on the ticket was when they were boarding. It was when they were leaving, and so <laughs> I when I realized, oh crap! On the screen it says they're boarding. I ran there, and as soon as I got there, they shut the door. So found another flight five and a half hours later, and uh, that was my day on Wednesday. Yeah, not not ideal. However. The beauty of bowl games, especially this one and some of the other ones that are around New Year's Day, is they take care of you. And so when we got in last night, I got in late. I was expected to get in late. I think I got in like 1030. I think you got in maybe like 15, 20 minutes later. Uh, when we got to the hotel, we knew it was like 1130, 1135. The hospitality room here with free beer and free booze and free snacks was supposed to be open until midnight. We got in there. We had a, we had a drink or two, and they were like, oh, "You can, you guys can stay in here. That's fine. That's fine." And so we were able to stay in there, watch the rest of the game, have a few more drinks, and it, and it ended what was a tough day for for you, obviously, in a, in a long day. Travel sucks. Travel sucks. But the great people at the uh, with the ReliQuest Bowl helped us out there, and uh, we really in, appreciated that and, and enjoyed it. So that is the that's honestly the beauty of of bowl games. To be fair, it's it's one of the main reasons to come, is it not? You know what I say every year. I've said this on the show last year when we were at uh, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, is that bowl games are rewards for the reporters, too. So <laughs> we work hard, but you got to play hard, at least sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, we got, I mean, there, there are some other things planned um, here the rest of the week, both for the players and, and the media, but uh, we're going to have a good time. We're, that's what we're going to do. But we do have some work to get to here. As Wisconsin was on the field this morning for practice down here in Tampa, we got to see about 20, 25 minutes of it. N not a whole lot to, to take from it, for sure. More of the news came after afterwards. However, what has been the big one of the biggest talking points this year, whether it's fair or not, when it comes to Wisconsin's offense and perhaps something that's impacting the start of it? You got you got a, you got one for me? No, no, no answer to that. Oh, I thought you were leading into. <laughs> I didn't know you were asking me the question. I, yeah. I know where you're going with this. Uh, Jake Renfro and his snapping ability and how quickly it gets back there. I think fans will perhaps appreciate that after all the complaining early in the season about the speed of Tanner Borlini's snaps, even though he had a, a really good season and was the team's best pass blocker. But that was certainly noticeable at practice and something that Phil Longo even referenced after practice when I asked him about Jake and what he could provide to this team. Yes. I think, 
I noticed it right away. And again, we are a pro Tanner Bordellini podcast. So I saying that up front, but it's noticeable. And we asked, someone asked Jake about it after, after was it, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but somebody asked him about the snaps. He goes, I've been doing this since I've been playing center my entire life, ever since started playing football at six. So my dad taught me snapping. So it's, whereas some of the other guys that they put in that position, including Tanner, that's not what he's done his entire life. So for what, for what Jake was, I mean, they were getting back there very, very quickly, right where they needed to be. And, and Phil Longo did talk about what that helps. And we all know what it helps, right? We know that it, it helps the flow of the offense. The quarterback's not waiting for the snap. He's not having to sometimes wonder where it's going to go. And it was obviously a very noticeable thing for, for us. And just watching it from the sideline and only saw like four or five of them, but it was very, very noticeable. Even when you saw it with Joe Huber going afterwards, there's a noticeable difference between that too. But it, the problem is, and I'm not saying it's a problem for Jake Runfro, but just a problem in general. If you can snap it, that's awesome. That's great. But you got to do stuff after the, after the whistle too, or after, after the snap, a- after everything, you get the ball to the quarterback. You have a, a whole lot of other things that you have to do to be a good center. And Tanner Bordellini brought that on a regular basis. So um, if Jake Renfro was better than Tanner Bordellini, he would have played this year. Um, so just to say the snaps are better, I think is is a fact. But there's other parts of this game that are that are very important. And uh, Tanner was, I, my personal opinion, and clearly I think the coaching staff's opinion, the better person to have back there. And um, again, Jake gets an opportunity tomorrow or on a Monday to play for the first time in two years. I can't imagine what he's thinking and what he's going through. He told us that, you know, he's excited. He's not going to have any goosebumps or anything like that, but I have to have to imagine he will have a little, you know, something in his stomach, you know, before he, you know, whether the night before the game or even going to the game. And then once he gets in it, it'll be, you know, old hat, but diving into it, I'm sure is going to be a little bit, some butterflies in his stomach. I would have to imagine. So he expressed a lot of confidence. Didn't seem to be, nervous in any way i think this is an opportunity he's been waiting a long time for clearly and something that he thought he was going to have as soon as he transferred here and he was working with the starters but this bowl prep practice when sometimes people i think wonder about well how much does it actually matter that they're going to a bowl game it's not a new year six game but these practices really can shape the the foundation of the program for the future and for someone like jake and jake talked about it so did phil He's getting all the reps with the ones in practice. That has not happened since the first three practices of the spring back in April. We're talking eight months ago now. And when you have that opportunity, you can build confidence. And as Phil said, you shake the rust off a little bit. I know Jake doesn't necessarily feel like he's got that much rust, but he's gotten the opportunities. And the further away he gets from the foot injury that he had in the preseason, the better he's going to be. I mean, we can't forget what he did two years ago. On the other hand, it still was two years ago. So we'll see how long it takes once he gets into a game to look like that kind of player. But it's a pretty good situation for Wisconsin to be in, to have someone of this caliber ready to go as soon as Tanner Borderline leaves and to show what he can do for next season as well. Yeah, I would agree. There is, as we discussed earlier this week, opportunities for a number of guys to step in and 
have more chances and Jake Renfro is certainly one of those. And we'll see if it happens for Joe Brunner, but another guy that, that was up there, JP Benchwell got a few opportunities with the first team. And again, very small sample size or very small yeah, sample size in terms of what we saw today compared to what happened after we left. But he's one of those guys as well, that maybe some of the younger offensive linemen have a chance to, to get some time on, uh, on Monday they've had a great opportunity in bowl practices, but, and then at, at wide receiver, kind of what we expected, kind of what the depth chart said, right? Vinny Anthony on the outside, Bryson green on the outside, Will Pauling in the slot with the ones. And then with the twos, it was Quincy Burroughs on the outside, CJ Williams on the outside and Tretch Kekahuna in the slot. And I asked I, again, I, I don't think I've tried to hide this at all. Very excited to see what Tretch Kekahuna can do. Um, very, I, I feel like I've, made that pretty clear. And so I asked Tanner Mordecai about him today and uh, said that he doesn't really show a ton of emotion, but he also said, if you go and ask the DBs, there's no one or there's there, there are two people that give them the most trouble when it comes to one-on-one coverage and it's Will Paul and, and it's Tretch Kekahuna. And so I'm excited to see that on Monday. We, we didn't get to see a ton of it obviously today, but I'm excited to see it on a Monday for sure. Yeah, something I think I mentioned on the last show when we were talking to Tanner back in Madison that he felt like Tretch had that football speed, that he didn't necessarily know what his 40 time was or anything like that. But you can see in the way that he plays how quickly he can get in and out of breaks. And and Tanner was talking about how Tretch is somebody who doesn't seem like he's worried at all that this might be the first snaps he gets on offense in his college career. So you want your slot receivers to be the hardest guys to cover in this offense because they're the ones who are going to get the ball the most. And I do think that we'll see him. It's hard to know what the distribution is going to be, but if they continue with what they did before, we know how much Skylar Bell played. So this is a great opportunity for Tretch. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into some of the other things that Phil had to talk about. He was asked about Tanner Mordecai. He gets one more chance with him, calls him a warrior. Said he's six and two as a starter, which I guess is technically true. I guess if they're not going to give him the uh, loss against Iowa, but um, which I guess he's not. Is that accurate? Right? Because no, that's his loss. If he starts, just like start pitcher, but but he didn't give it to him. Well, because he he started the north. He started the Northwestern game too. So that's that's two I'm losses plus, yeah. plus the Washington State game. So that's two. That's three losses. It, right. It's a it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. But he's a warrior. Fought through a whole lot of different stuff. But I think a lot of people are obviously focused on the next guy coming in. And that's going to be uh, uh, Tyler Van Dyke. And as I think you illustrated in your story on on Tyler, because of what Phil had seen going up against him uh, multiple years, that he just kind of trusts a little bit more and. Um, believes because of what he has done in the past that he's a winner and that he has an opportunity to throw the ball over. He's big, he's tall, can throw the ball over the place, that he is going to be able to reignite what some of what we saw earlier in his career at Miami. Yeah, you can't overstate the value of having firsthand knowledge of a player, especially a lot of what we've seen in, in these transfer portal editions the last two years, certainly in year one, when the time was condensed and they had a lot of work to do. They found Cincinnati guys, other players that they'd recruited before. And Phil talked about what he saw against Van Dyke twice when Van Dyke played against North Carolina, the way he performed against North Carolina's defense. And also Phil was just so impressed with what he did across the ACC landscape, a league that 
Longo obviously coached in for four years. And so that gives him great excitement. I think this is, it's interesting because I, I, I don't know how, I can't speak for the entire fan base, obviously, but you and I have conversations or, or hear in our mentions or stories from fans. And I think some just wonder about the kind of player that Van Dyke is going to be. Is he the guy who over a two game stretch this season threw no touchdowns and five interceptions and got benched um, eventually came back because the other player got hurt, but, or is he the guy he was in 2021 when he was ACC rookie of the year and had such a, a great season, obviously Wisconsin is banking on him being more of that guy in this kind of offense. He's got an opportunity to do some really good things. We said that about Tanner Mordecai. It didn't necessarily come to fruition, but again, I just think everything that's happened in year one has led to some cautious optimism or perhaps skepticism about how well these players are going to come in right away. I do think that, and I ask Phil these questions about year two. I mean, these guys still have a bowl game, obviously, but he feels seems to feel pretty confident that in year two, this offense is going to be able to take some very important strides in part because of what he's seen in year two at other places. And also because you're not teaching an entire team things for the first time. And I think that, that can help Tyler as well, that he's coming into a system now where people at least know what's going on, which is not what the case was when spring ball started. It definitely wasn't. And yet, because, I mean, what was the conversation with Phil in January last year? It was, look what I did in my, in the first years at the place, other places I've been. Yep. Right. And it was hit the ground running and lead go, you know, go from a triple option to leading the conference in, uh, passing when he was at Sam Houston State and what they did obviously in 2018 at North Carolina. I, I'm not being negative here, but I think cautious skepticism. It, that's it, was that the words you used? Well, I said cautious optimism or skepticism. Okay, all right, or skepticism. But right, I feel like it's that's earned. Like. The positivity in year one came from this program had been down for three straight years. A lot of things weren't going the right way. You bring in Luke Fickle and these other staffers and you're making these changes and there's a ton of excitement. And after seeing what happened in year one, the outlook, at least in my mind, it changes. Like, show me first before people start proclaiming what this team is going to be. Yes, very much so. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It's, I don't think Not it's at being, all. I don't think it's being negative. I think it's just being honest with the situation that Wisconsin's in right now and just not accepting absolutely everything that is said at face value and actually thinking about it and understanding that what is coming from the program is is all the good stuff. And you have to at least entertain some of the bad ideas because we saw what happened this year. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be uh, all, you know, rainbows and butterflies and all that good stuff. There is going to be negativity and there's going to be negative things that happen. And uh, you just have to realize that that is going to be part of this, this process. And so while I firmly still believe that they can figure this out offensively, and and I don't know if, if Tyler Van Dyke is the right choice or not, we'll find out, but I feel still confident they're going to get done, but I, I, I'm more in a wait and see mode now than I was last year at this time. Last year at this time felt very confident that it, 
because of the way that they talked, because of the history that it was going to play out. And now, even though they they talk about history, having history of, you know, second year stuff, now it's like, okay, let's let's just see what it looks like before we um, jump on and be like, all right, well, this offense is going to be amazing and, you know, score 35 a game. You know, that's, yeah. it's, I think it's, you have, we have to be realistic about it, a little bit more realistic than perhaps we all, inclu- you know, ourselves included, were last year. Yes, I'm 100% of that approach coming into this offseason and I think you asked a, a question that w- it was a good question and about the explosiveness on the outside at wide receiver whether they still needed to add whether he believed he had it in the room and as we start to evaluate this roster you do have to wonder well what pieces are in place that are going to lead us all to believe that it's going to be markedly improved I, I certainly think it will be improved because if it's not well that's <laughs> bad news for this program and and certainly for staffers on the team. (laughs) But I mean, he's talked about how there has been improvement. He likes the speed in that room, but they continue to develop. This is also the same guy who said before that they didn't necessarily have that explosiveness on the outside that they would in the future. And so far they've added one transfer wide receiver in Tyrell Henry, who played a bit, at Michigan State, and they've got Kyenberry Johnson, who's coming in in 2024, but that's a high school prospect right now. Otherwise, it's a lot of the same guys, and most of those guys outside of Will Pauling have not really shown the the consistent playmaking ability. So, I mean, are we to believe that all of a sudden, because you have Tyler Van Dyke, that these wide receivers are suddenly going to be so much better? I don't know, but I think they're a much they're realistic questions that we are asking, and there is a lot of reason for skepticism or or at least cautious optimism in this offseason about what is this team going to look like and how much better will it actually be that's not to say it won't be but all i'm saying is i'm i agree with your point that i think all of us understandably go into this process in year two in that show me first yeah the one question that i should have asked didn't ask was about tight end because that is a position that has had a role in his offense before, and it didn't really play out that way. And they have some intriguing prospects there, obviously. With Hayden Rucci moving on, you have a rolling Riley Nowakowski, you have a um, you know, Tucker Ashcraft, you have a Grant Stack, you have a uh McGowan coming in. And like there are some intriguing pieces there that can maybe change things even more. It's not that they were just missing an explosive guy on the outside, they were missing a, a dangerous player at tight end, too. And that's not to say that Tucker Ashcraft can't be that or Gratstack can't be that. Um, but what does what does he envision that looking like? So again, right. uh, plenty plenty of still questions to answer, and you know we'll have all of, all of season to do it. But um, was there anything else that he hit on that that you want to move on before we move to the defensive side of the ball? No, I think we pretty much covered it. The The tough thing here is, and I know we've talked about this uh, probably when we were waiting the hour to talk to the coordinators um, after we saw the first 15 minutes, but like these guys are in a spot where they want to focus on the bowl game and you and I, and I think a lot of fans are in a spot where they want to focus on the future. And so it's just tough to have the answers that everybody is seeking at this point. Yeah. But hopefully we'll be able to get some of those more in the coming months because 
they they're just not necessarily in a position where they're going to fully evaluate everything that's transpired and then start planning for the future when you still have a game left, even though we all want that to happen. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, so we also got to talk to Mike Trussell. It was about half the time of, uh, of Phil Longo, which is fine. And, you know, he, again, a lot of focus on what's going to be happening on Monday. But what one of the guys that obviously has stood out to a lot of people this year and has been, was a talk of signing day because of the type of athletes that they got and kind of pointed to this guy. That was Christian Allegro. And he was a guy that has seen spot duty, mainly third down late uh, in the second half of the season, third down rushing, either rushing the quarterback, spying the quarterback, but feels like a guy that's going to have a bigger role. And Mike Trussell kind of talked, spoke about him today and, um, you can kind of tell that he, he's uh, very intrigued. Yes, he talked about the athleticism that he has, and he even said he had a, a great interception today, and this is quoting Mike, that I would say multiple coaches' jaws dropped a little bit, uh, end quote. You know, I Mike is not the kind of coach in the few experiences we've had to talk to him that is just going to lay on the praise for no reason. I mean, he he's very... He, he will give you an answer, but not necessarily elaborate in terms of, of uh, kind of beyond surface level, if that makes sense. So I think that him going out and saying something like that about Allegro says a lot about the level of excitement that they have. And also Allegro is now in his room because he's the inside linebackers coach and Christian started the season out as at, on the outside. But when you've got somebody who's six foot four and 228 pounds like Allegro is, that's what they're looking for in the future. We would that the term length and athleticism is something we'll probably be saying a lot here, something that Luke Fickle talked about on signing day. And that can change a lot of things for this defense. And that clearly is the direction that they want to go. And Allegro could potentially be the prototype. I'm very interested. Certainly, Tretch Kekahuna is near the top of my list, maybe at the top of my list of young guys I want to see in the bowl game where it's realistic that we're actually going to see them. But Allegro would be the other guy because he's only played 32 defensive snaps at this point. But without Jordan Turner, I think there's going to be some good opportunity for him to get in there and show a glimpse of the future. Yeah, a couple others that are going to obviously have a chance we've, that we talked about earlier this week, Kurt Neal, and it was a guy that Mike Trussell mentioned. And then Austin Brown, a guy who's going to play or has, is, the, is the starting slot in this game. And I asked Trussell, you know, you look at a guy like Austin Brown, he is not your typical slot. And I'm not – and I don't know if – Trussell made it seem like I was saying that he couldn't do it or that he was, he's like, I've coached corners that are six, three. And I know who he was talking about. He's talking about sauce Gardner. I get that. Um, but sauce Gardner's not being, not playing inside, right? He's playing. He, he's, he's mostly on the outside. Austin Brown's a safety. He is a guy that's going to be challenged in there. I think uh, a guy of his size is going to be challenged extremely come Monday. And if that's something maybe they see moving forward, cause I don't know that they, have a replacement on the roster right now. I know that they've got a guy visiting that, that maybe, I mean, he played a lot of safety, but he could also, the guy from New Mexico state, whose name I'm not, uh, that I can't think of off the top of my head at this point, but is it possible that Austin Brown's your guy next year too, in the slot? That, that to me is a, an interesting thing. I think it depends on the couple of transfer portal additions that are still out there, but this game will tell a lot because I don't know what the rep distribution is going to look like, but I have to feel like they're basically going to lean on him. 
to play that role. You would think so. You would, again, he, Mike Trussell said, you know, what some of the things that he's finding out about uh, Austin Brown or Austin Brown's finding about the position is there's not as much communication. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot less things going on than maybe some of the other spots he's played. I know you mentioned when we talked about it earlier this week that he has played in the slot more than yeah. maybe we we thought he did, but it's still, this is a little bit different. This is an every down type of thing. Whereas before that was always Jason Matry. And now it's awesome Brown and it's going to be awesome Brown a lot. Owen Arnett has been the backup the entire year has not played. I don't think a snap at least in meaningful game action. So I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. That's a big guy in, in the slot. And if he can stick with guys at his size, very, very, uh, impressive, and I, I guess again we'll see what kind of defense they want to play against uh, LSU. Maybe it's not going to be straight man. Maybe it, it maybe there'll be some zone involved, and in, um, which I'm sure there will be. But asking a guy that size to cover guys that small, if he can do it, what a what a absolute boon to your defense that would be. Yeah, definitely. And they've obviously got some other safeties to to work with in this game. Clearly, they've got. Kamoe and saw Travion Blaylock running around at practice on her Wohler. So they got some good depth back there and he's going to have, I don't know if it's kind of an audition, but a lot of these bowl games end up being at various positions in audition for what the future can be. Yeah, I would agree. Speaking of the defense, Wisconsin did add from the transfer portal again on Thursday, grabbing linebacker Sebastian Cheeks. He was a guy that they went after hard during high school. He ended up in North Carolina. Didn't really, I mean, he played, I think, three games as a true freshman. Wasn't really a part of the, uh, anything that happened this year. So he is uh, in the transport portal and, and chooses Wisconsin. You had a chance to talk to him, right? I did, yeah. What uh, What is Wisconsin getting in Sebastian Cheeks and, and why did he want to pick Wisconsin? He's a guy that obviously Phil Longo knows. Yeah, well, one other thing I wanted to mention about practice is just for oh, people who okay. don't know, so Leon Lowry and John Leon Lowry and John Pius are both down here and practicing with the team. Right. They can't play in they can't play in the game, but uh, that's certainly noteworthy and really good to get those guys into the mix. Now they're going to be at, presumably on the on the outside, but Sebastian Cheeks will be uh, involved in the linebackers as well. So anyway, uh, no, yeah, no, no, now now that you brought those guys up, noteworthy. Yeah. Uh, Mike Trussell was asked about them, and he. Mm-hmm raved about their athleticism and their their pass rushing ability. And he also said they look like guys that have been coached at a high level in terms of like technique, using their hands, all the different stuff that you want as a pass rusher. Um, it feels like they have two guys there that they have very high. Uh, they, they, they feel like are going to be nice additions uh, to a pass rush that from the outside was not exactly um, great this past year. Yeah, they just need more explosiveness and dynamic playmaking. And you can say that at every position I know. And I also think anytime you get a transfer guy, and it's probably this, it, it is the same with high school recruiting. The coaching staff is going to feel good about what it has. Yeah. Um, look, the proof will be in the pudding. Those guys had some really good moments at their previous schools, but I think it is good and, and interesting because I don't remember previous years where somebody who had committed as a transfer portal guy was with the team at the bowl. Now, maybe I'm forgetting but, I don't think so. But to see them out there and practicing with the team is new, but it'll be a good experience for them. So we'll probably have a lot more to say about those guys in spring ball as they try to figure out what this two deep is going to look like on the outside. But on the inside, 
certainly feels like Sebastian Cheeks is going to have an opportunity to work his way into the two deep just because at inside, there are a ton of questions. We got Christian Allegro, who we just talked about, and Jake Cheney. And after that, and I think we said this on the last show when they got Josiah Galvan, the inside linebacker from Northern Iowa, tons of opportunity because the rest of the group is Brian Sanborn, Hayden Vaughn, Tyler Janzi, Landon Gothier, who's coming in. Jake Cheney's the only one with considerable experience, in, in, at least returning experience. And so Cheeks didn't play a ton, but I do think it's noteworthy that he was a big time high school prospect, four star guy from Illinois top 15 linebacker in the country actually took an official visit to Wisconsin in June, 2021. And his list of schools was, was pretty darn good. Obviously ended up going to North Carolina, but his other visits were Texas, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oregon. And this time around, he said, because of the time constraints with him entering the portal December 5th, he was only able to visit two schools, Wisconsin and Northwestern, but he was also considering Missouri and Ohio state. I don't know how deep those conversations got or, what the, the scholarship offers or NIL, whatever that is, looked like. But in terms of just potential out of high school, you have to like it. Was a top five player in Illinois in the 2022 class. But again, it's another young guy who didn't play a ton of snaps at North Carolina. Um, and he's going to have to go and improve himself. They needed help at inside linebacker. Uh, as soon as they got a couple other positions, I would have said that's the number one thing they need. Uh, wide receiver, you can say, it's up there too. But it's good for Wisconsin that they were able to get two portal guys to add depth. And two guys that I think, frankly, if they're not part of the two deep next season, I'll be surprised. Are they better at inside linebacker now than they were at the end of the Minnesota game? Well, you mean because they've lost Jordan Turner and they're going to lose Mumajong Meta? And what they've and added are, best, are are you asking, are you asking, I'm asking if they're better now than they yeah. were. I, I, I mean, so, I don't want to put you on the spot. I feel no, like no. they are. I don't that's feel like they question. are. That's a good question. Based I, on, based on what they, fu- based on what they want to do. Yeah. I feel so like that's they what are. I was going to say. That's what right. I was going to say. Um, Sorry. because well, no, you're good because I think like in this moment, is it, are they better? I don't know that I can say that. In ter- because of how much experience that Jordan and Muma had, and I realized there were shortcomings and especially speed and space and guys getting on the edges. But the other part that you mentioned, I think you're right on. It's the potential and what this defense can be in the future. These guys better fit that. That we, We've heard all, I, I keep bringing up that length and athleticism, but guys who can do a lot of different things. And I asked Trussell, what do you want your inside linebackers of the future to look like basically? Or Like, where do you need to see growth? And he talked about how this group currently, he said, it's a great physical group of linebackers and we're continuing to get more athletic. You look at, this is what he said, you look at half the games during the season, including in the Big Ten, they were about speed, athleticism, space. And then the other half were about smash mouth football. And he said, we need to have guys that are comfortable and successful doing both. And to me, out of everything that Mike said and the limited time we had to talk to him, that was among the more noteworthy things just because it's sort of an acknowledgement of this is what we experienced this year. And he's not calling anybody out specifically, but this is what we need to do better. And in order to do that, you have to get the types of personnel that line up with that. And so I think while the two that they got may not right now be better than what they had, um, it will be in the future because it better fits what the defense is, if that makes sense. It does. It does. I, again, 
these are all things that I think we're still figuring out with Mike Trussell. They, you know, the yeah. offense, the offense was the huge storyline in last, you know, last off season. And in last off season, when we talked to Mike Trussell, it was about blending the, the excellence of both systems. Well, they didn't necessarily have the players at inside linebacker to play the type of defense they wanted to play this year. Um, just in terms of athletically. And, and I shouldn't even just say linebacker. I'd say a number of positions they didn't. Um, I, I still have questions about them along the defensive line. We're, we're going to yeah. get to see Kurt Neal. We're going to see James Thompson Jr. But beyond them, and, and Kurt Neal's far from obviously proven, there is certainly depth concerns there. And Mike asked Russell about it. And he said, I think you could say every single you know, team in the country has defensive line depth concerns. And he goes, <laughs> it was also kind of funny. He was talking about, and then the same thing at quarterback. I mean, maybe Georgia will say otherwise, but I, everyone else, you know, will say you can never have enough quarterback depth. And we've seen them go that way with the additions they've made and, def- and defensive line. And I don't think that they've addressed the defensive line nearly like they have obviously at, at corner the, since they came on campus. Now they have two guys coming in, but, I mean, that to me was as big of a question mark as and remains as big of a question mark as they have on that defense going into next year. We can talk about the inside linebackers, we can talk about the outside pass rush, but defensive line is certainly, you know, the one that really sticks out to me. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, it's such an important position. You need those dynamic playmakers, and they got a really big addition in terms of Ernest Willer, in terms of recruiting, they have Dylan Johnson and Hank Weber coming in, but can you find that impact playmaker right away? They're going to need a whole lot more of it. And you're going to be relying on returning guys. Can Kurt Neal take that next step? What about Jamel Howard? Who yeah. We talked a ton about during the February signing period when they got him, but we didn't see him. You need, you need help. A, a TJ bowlers, like, <laughs> He's finally playing the position that maybe he should have been playing all along. I don't know. I haven't seen very many 270 pound outside linebackers, but that's a spot where in order for them to take that next step, you got to have the playmakers. You do. Uh, for what it's worth, Jamel Howard is, was wearing 99 today. I don't believe that is his number. Um, so uh, apparently all these guys just grabbed jerseys and were throwing them on. There were a whole bunch of guys wearing jerseys that I've never seen them wear before. Um, I had no idea what was going on, dude. There were yeah, so was, many numbers. I was like, who is that guy? I don't know. It it was very weird. It was very weird. Like usually at the final practice, the final scene, or I should say the final practice of, of, of everything, they switch jerseys with seniors, right? They, they take everyone switched to juniors uh, jerseys with a senior and they carry them off the field and all that good stuff. That's, this was not the last practice. So, and uh, a lot of guys were wearing their right numbers, but, but a lot of guys were not. My favorite was, I don't know if you saw this, Mike Jarvis was wearing zero. He does yeah. not uh, does not look like Braylon Allen, but I, I was like, who? who? What is going on here? Who is yeah. what? Some yeah. guys are on scout team, and so they're wearing these different numbers, but um, we did the best we could. I yeah, guess I mean, there were the, like three different the zeros out there. There were like three or four yeah. zeros out there, because I think uh, – John Pius was wearing zero, or maybe he was wearing him and Leon, Leon Lowry. One was eight, one was zero. I don't remember exactly which one, but yeah, there were a bunch of zeros out there. Um, all right. I got some questions, uh, Twitter questions, threads questions here to to answer. Jay asks, do you think Nate White's going to get a look in the bowl game? No. <laughs> all right. I mean, I, I wouldn't was, mind seeing it. Uh, yeah, but... he, he was pretty far down the depth. It looked like he was still the fifth guy, um, even without 
Braylon without Chez. There were it felt like there based yeah. on based on what we saw today, and that's very little. There wasn't a whole lot there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I just think they're going to lean on Jackson Aker and whatever carries are left over will go to Kate Yacomelli. That's that's my sense. Yeah. Um, South Jersey Pete says, I have a question about siblings of starters who have yet to break through. What is most likely who is most likely to have an impact in 2024? J.P. Benshaw, hey, uh, Nolan Rucci or uh, Brian Sanborn. He really thought Sanborn would break through the mediocrity ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we haven't technically done uh, a show since Jack Nelson definitively said he'd be returning, even though it was pretty obvious that he would be returning. That complicates things for Nolan Rucci, assuming that Nelson is still at left tackle. So I, I don't know. Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Sanborn, I think, would be the guy, largely because they just don't have a ton of returning experience. But again, adding those two transfer portal guys could complicate things. It's funny because not all that long ago, the preseason talk was, well, well, we're working through five linebackers at that position, and Sanborn had managed to elevate himself into competing for a spot, but then wasn't in the two deep, and they weren't going to go use a fifth linebacker. Ben Shaw is the, an interesting one because we got to see him with a few yep. first-team reps. Could he, could he compete for that starting left, uh, one of the starting guard jobs? I mean, it's a possibility. A lot of people obviously talking about Joe Brunner, but maybe yep. uh, JP because he was a Again, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, too. He was a very, yep. very highly rated kid coming out of high school. Yeah, um, abs- absolutely think he could compete for one of those spots. Uh, Joel says, what happened to multi-year starter Isaiah Mullins? I understand that he was hurt to start the year, but it was with an average at best defensive line. Why didn't he see some snaps, you think? Well, we haven't talked to him all year, but yeah. he got hurt, and I guess that's that. I don't yeah. know. Nice. Good work. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yep. Uh, um, Butterbilt uh, says, there's been a lot of talk about young guys getting some run in the bowl game. Has there been any mention of Moore or Howard? Not of Howard. Uh, Braden Moore got a mention. I think, was that from Hunter Wohler? Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. So, but again, I don't know whether that means you're actually going to see them in a game, um, but he's gotten mentioned and, and not Jamil Howard. Uh, Big Boss Man wants to know if if Paul Chris gets hired for the Iowa OC job, which he apparently is a finalist for, mm-hmm. will Jesse travel down there for his introductory press conference? Will I go to Iowa City to travel <laughs> for his introductory press conference? Um, it no. seems unlikely as we have <laughs> an Iowa beat writer uh, whose job is to do that. but um, And quite good at it, too. Yes, very, very good. So, no, I won't be there. Uh, Trap23, say, he says, it seems like every player that gets that they get is pictured in number zero between in a number between zero and nine. How many people can wear those numbers? Just kidding. But how do they decide who gets what number? Oh, well, uh, based on the Leon Lowry story that I wrote, the, <laughs> he said he wanted number nine as part of the, the reason for coming. So sometimes you can just say, if I'm a, a transfer guy, give me what I want. <laughs> right? uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> sometimes you got to earn it. Like, I don't know. Maybe you pay someone money in the pros. They do that. They do. They do. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of ways to get it done. I, I I would assume seniority and first come first serve, but maybe there's, there's more to it. I guess uh, we'll see how that plays out. Jesse, uh, we will uh, get back in touch. We're not going to preview the game because it's, 
it is what it is. But we'll be back in touch next week when we get back from Tampa. We'll recap the season and, and look ahead to the offseason. Yep. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.